we started a series, it's actually just two parts, it was last week and this week, on the difference between conviction and condemnation. And I just want to try to get us thinking along those lines again as we get started here this morning. It's a crucial difference. Uh, you can open with me, if you would, your Bibles to John chapter 3. Verse 18, John 3.18. I want to read one verse and then we're going to pray one more time for our service this morning. John 3.18. Jesus said, He was speaking to Nicodemus. He just told him that God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son. He told him in this chapter, you must be born again. He tells him right here in verse 18, He's speaking to all mankind. He that believeth on Him, on Jesus, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That, that's a sermon in itself. That's, that's a, the Gospel almost in, in itself right there. And it all hinges upon faith, and faith on, and specifically in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. He that believeth is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. Because, why? He's done some bad things? No. We're all sinners and come short of God's glory. Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I want to pray one more time this morning. Father, we pray that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see our Lord and Savior this morning. Thank you, God. If anybody here is born again, we're not under the condemnation of God. And Lord, I thank you for that, God. And I thank you for your word. Teach us what you want to teach us this morning and grow us in the faith. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to review this just very briefly before, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but just very quickly. Condemnation, we see that in the Bible. We hear it in churches. We hear it in talks between Christians. We hear it when we read Christian books. Condemnation, to, So just so we know what the Lord's speaking of when He speaks of condemnation, what the Bible speaks of when He's speaking of to condemn or condemnation. It means this, and this was what we talked about last week. It means to judge against. It's a legal term. And so if you're judge, and God is the judge of all the earth, He is judged against you, not in your favor. Okay? It's an adverse sentence. A man doesn't have to stay that way, though. Okay? And it says right here that he that believeth is not condemned. It's just a question of faith. It's not turning over a new leaf in life. It's not, I'm going to try to do a lot better than I've done up until now. Our righteousnesses are filthy rags before the Lord. And our iniquities have gone over our heads, Isaiah says. It's, it's the righteousness of Christ and the righteousness of Christ only that fits a man for heaven and makes us right or justified in God's sight. But still, the Bible says that a lost man... Uh, stands condemned. An unbeliever, that is their current standing. That was my standing before I was saved, before I gave my life to Jesus. A lost man stands condemned. There's still a judge that they don't even know, and they're not looking and they're not interested maybe, unaware that there's a judge and that they stand under the condemnation of their judge, their creator, and it's serious. There's nothing more serious than that standing that we have before God. So all lost men stand uh, guilty before God in unbelief and in their sin. And we did too before we were justified freely by His grace. That was the sentence that was upon our lives. God had pronounced it. We're sinners. The wages of sin is death. I'm not going to try to make it worse than it is or better than it is. That's just what the Bible says it is. A lost man outside of Christ stands at the bar of God, basically, and before the judge of all the earth, condemned. And the way to move from one standing to the other is through faith in Jesus. And only through faith in Jesus. Not through religion, not through good works, not through I'm saying I'm sorry a thousand times, not trying to make up for it, but by coming simply by faith in Jesus Christ. No believer stands condemned before God. No believer stands condemned before the Lord. Not one. Not one that may be backslidden. Not one that may have just uh, cursed. Not one that might maybe just had road rage going down the interstate. No believer, true believer born again, stands condemned before God. We stand in part of the family of God 
robed in the righteousness of Christ. So we've talked about this uh, before. If the Bible says in Romans 8 that 8 verse 1, a very familiar Scripture, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. It could not be more clear than that. There's a second half to that verse, but still, for our purposes here this morning, that is a fact, and we need to know it. We need to get it. Believers, we need to get that. We need to understand there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And one more Scripture. I'll just quote it to you from John chapter 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus is speaking here, He that heareth My words and believeth, there it is again, right? Believeth on Him that sent Me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. So condemnation and death basically are put together and synonymous almost. And then life in that freedom and liberty and forgiveness we have in Jesus. And so, again, it's a question of belief. And we need to understand. And the reason I believe the Lord just gave me this little two-part uh, series last week and this week is because I know it personally from first-hand experience. There has been confusion among the people of God between condemnation, which we just described and went into great detail last week, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And they're not the same things. They're absolutely not the same things. The conviction of the Lord, which we're going to talk about today, is a wonderful thing that God uses in our lives for many purposes. And we're going to talk about it. Bring, bring us to Himself, for example. But no matter how a true believer, now every word of this is important, no matter how a true believer may feel at any moment, he or she is not condemned. If they're a true believer, they may feel this way, feel unsaved even, feel sinful and dirty, feel unloved by God, feel rejected. They may feel a lot of different ways. But if you're born again, you're born again. We're not in between. We're not halfway born again and halfway lost. We're 90% and 10%. We're in Christ or we're not in Christ. And if we're in Christ, then all of that follows. Everything down the line. I'm a child of God. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm justified freely by His grace. I'm forgiven of my sins. As far as the east is from the west, He's removed my transgressions. We can go on and on. I'm fit for heaven. All of that. All that. The Holy Ghost lives inside of me. My body is His temple. We can go all the way down the line. That is the state of a believer. Our state. Our standing before God. Feelings come and go. We're human beings. You might feel so over the top uh, excited about the Lord at some particular time. You're ready literally to lay down your life, to sell everything you have, to give every penny away, to go win the lost. I pray we would live in that state. But then other times, we don't. We're worried about money and we're thinking about job security. We're thinking, you know, it's just what happened? Well, I'm still a Christian, but I'm a human being. And those feelings come and go. Okay, we might get real excited when it looks like something spiritual or good is happening in our nation, our community, or our president prayed. Wasn't that wonderful? Or something we get excited about it. And the next day, there's some ACLU is bringing a lawsuit about prayer in school, and we get all discouraged. And you know those those things happen. And in our own personal uh, conduct, we might be so um, just so excited about our spouse. And, and our marriage, and it's our anniversary, and the trip we're getting ready to go on, and everything like that. And the next minute, we might be mad, you know, because whatever, some stupid little something with our spouse, right? Uh, those that are married. And so that the feelings come and go but because we're human beings. But the standing before the Lord does not change. It's very important. And so God wants to us to understand that the Holy Spirit in us bears witness with our spirit. We talked about it last week. One who knows. That's what a witness is. One who knows or has knowledge. That we belong to God no matter how I feel. Well, I just told a lie at work to get out of trouble. You know what you need to do if, you, if you're a Christian and you told a lie at work to get out of trouble? You need to confess it to God. You need to repent of it. You need to go back to those who you lied to and tell them this was not of God. I lied. It was wrong. I've asked God to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me. Whether or not they're Christians, 
That's what we should do. But our standing before the Lord never changed in that whole scenario. Before, during, or after. The blood of Jesus has washed us and made us clean. I'm not saying that it's that we don't strive to live holy. You know that I preach that. I'm saying that my standing in the Lord doesn't change. So no matter how I feel, we have to allow the Lord and His Word to be the final answer on that. I've talked to believers. I said it last week. They heard this sermon. They heard this, read this book. They, uh, they counseled with a pastor and they said, uh, oh, I just feel so condemned after that sermon. And I understand that things, the feelings may be real, but they're not valid in the sense if we're really going to look at the Word of God, I'm not condemned. I don't have an adverse sentence against my life from my judge and from my God. So I need to understand that and know that. Conviction is a wonderful thing. If we have a lot of medical people in here, but I always use, we don't think we have a dentist in here, but I always use the example, if somebody had a rotten, uh, a t- rotten tooth that was infected and had to be pulled, all right, no fun, right? Hurting, you're swollen, all this kind of stuff going on, you go to the dentist. He's going to give you a shot. When he first gives you a shot, that hurts. Okay? He's going to do some things in your mouth that are unpleasant. And you're going to probably be swollen. You have a lot of blood coming out. It's going to be a nasty old thing. He's pulling a tooth out. It's nothing pleasant. So do you think that that doctor, his desire is, I want to inflict as much pain and make this person worse than when they came in? Obviously not. Okay? You go with some kind of infection in your body or something that needs to be cut out of your body. Well, there's going to be a little process in there, a splinter, okay, that where it's painful and uncomfortable. And yet, the whole thing is for your good, right? If you leave a tooth that's infected and you do nothing with it, that could be very serious and it's not funny after that. You've got infection all up in your face and maybe, who knows, in your body is very serious. And anything in your body like that. And so, you understand this, but the point is the conviction of the Lord is totally different from condemnation. The conviction of the Lord in the life of a believer or even in a lost man is a good thing. He is doing that to help us. Okay? He's doing that to help us because the conviction of the Lord is going to reveal to us maybe a sin in our life, uh, a weakness in our life spiritually, an immaturity in our life. If I'm lost, He's going to reveal to me that I'm lost and in desperate need of salvation. The conviction of the Lord is not the condemnation of the Lord. Though both might have some things, elements that are unpleasant, I guess I would say. When the Lord convicts us, I can't say it's fun. Okay, but His purpose in it ultimately is going to be for my good. Because there's something in my life He's convicting me of. And by His grace and goodness, even as a Christian, it's in my life. He wants to get it out. And I need to yield, hear the conviction, yield to the conviction, recognize this is not somebody condemning me. This is the Holy Ghost convicting me. This is a good thing. This is not <coughs> condemnation where the devil's just trying to hammer me or, or put me under some kind of bondage or I'm not even saved and I'm under condemnation. We need to know the difference. I mean, if you've got the wreck and are laying on the side of the road and some paramedic's reaching over to help you and reaching down, you're like, don't touch me. Don't, t-, you know, don't touch me at all. Wait a minute. I gotta, you're about to get run over. Another car's coming. I'm trying to get you out of the road. Okay? And what hurts, you grab me right well, it's going to hurt for a second until I get you out of the road. All right? Then we're going to start working on you. And you understand the point of that. If we're telling God, hands off, hands off, you're just trying to condemn me. No, He's not. We're accepted in the beloved. We're, we're His children. But every one of us corrects our children at different times. Or when we were children, we were corrected. Um, maybe not perfectly, but we know the overall goal of our parents was for our benefit. Was for our benefit. Not because they absolutely hated us and couldn't wait to see us suffer. Right? But at the time, you might have thought that. I remember getting grounded and all my friends were going in the neighborhood were going on a I don't share this before, a tubing trip. 
I'd done something really bad and slammed the door on my brother's foot and I don't remember what all I did. Threw a baseball bat across the room and almost hit him and I was grounded. I mean, I should have been grounded. And I sat there in the you know, driveway like a little and watched all my neighbors, all my friends that I played football and everything in their front yard drive away. They're going to the tick fall to go tubing. We've been planning that for a long time and I'm sitting there watching them go. You know, uh, ultimately that was for my good. At the time, it wasn't a lot of fun to miss out on that. But the Lord is dealing with us as children. We have to remember that. He's dealing with us as children. And so somebody's saying, oh, I just feel so condemned. I need to know, am I speaking? Am I feeling condemnation? Or maybe the, the enemy is uh, the devil certainly wants to make me feel condemned. You know, you're not even saved <coughs> because you, you told a lie today. You must not be saved. The devil wants to put, make us doubt our salvation, right? Or things like that. Am I experiencing condemnation or is this the conviction of my Heavenly Father? It's very important that we distinguish, distinguish the difference. There's only so much a person can do. Like if, if Dee was experiencing that and, and I said, I tried to comfort her. There's, there's only so much that I can do to let her know as a believer, is this condemnation or conviction? I can bring her the Scriptures, which I must. Okay, But ultimately, she's going to have to have that reassurance herself from the Word of God and from the Holy Ghost that lives inside of her. That this is not, uh, this is not condemnation. This is the conviction of the Lord. And so, uh, many churchgoers, uh, I've seen it in our day, they, they want the seeker-friendly type church because they, they feel like any time they go to church and the preacher preaches the truth and the Word of God, that, oh, they're stepping on my toes. You know, I've heard little sayings like this. They're getting in my business. I just I, I didn't like it. I just want to go to church to be cheered up. Well, I do too. But it's not really so much what we really need is we need the Lord to, to deal with our lives. Amen. To deal with our lives. And guess what? At the end result of that's going to be great joy. Amen. If you're just saying I need to be cheered up and joyful, and yet you have some ongoing sin in your life, for example, or immaturity, you have no prayer life like we talked about in Sunday school, whatever, and you just want to be cheered up, then the pastor and the whole church service can be organized and and set up in such a way that it all appeals to you. It all appeals to you from the message and the funny little stories they tell and the slides they show and the videos they show and the music they sing. And everything can be uh, like watching a Disney movie. You know, it can all be just aimed at very uplifting. But is that what I need it? If I'm really going to be lifted up anything substantial that's real, that's going to last beyond the time I walk out of that church service, it's going to have to be our genuine work of the Lord in my life. If I have sin in my life, guess what? The Lord doesn't want me to be comfortable with that. He's not trying to cheer me up. He's trying to bring me to repentance. He's trying to deal with that. He's trying to get that rotten tooth out. Why? Because He loves me, not because He hates me. I love you. This rotten tooth is spreading. It's spreading to the teeth around it. It's spreading up into your jaws and your gums. I've got to get it out. Let me get it out. It's going to hurt for a second. It'll be over very quickly, and we'll go on and you'll be healthy and strong and feel better than you ever felt in your whole life. Would you let me remove it? No, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I feel condemned or whatever. I don't like the conviction of the Lord or I feel condemned or whatever. And we're back and forth. And, and yet, God is, is trying to do that in our lives. It's of the Lord. It's every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He knows our great need of conviction. When Paul was arrested, he was shuffled basically from prison to prison. And one time, Felix and his wife said, I want to hear a private meeting with, with Paul. and t- Tell us about your conversion and this God you serve. And, and Paul begins, it says, as Paul began to reason with them, of the righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. What is he doing? He's speaking about the things of God. He's speaking about the gospel. He's talking about God being the judge that every man's, every man's going to face him. That we need to be robed in the righteousness of Christ. Obviously, speaking of right, righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. As Paul began to speak to this governor of Caesarea, who in a, in a natural sense had this great position of authority and power, and Paul's just a, a prisoner, all right? 
but he speaks to him of these things. It says, as he did, Felix trembled. He began to shake and tremble. I believe he's feeling conviction of the Lord upon his life. He knew his sinful state. He, for a little brief moment, God put the, the flashlight on his heart and showed him his life. And it says, as, as Paul was speaking to him, this man began to tremble. Powerful man, rich man, you know, a lot of prestige. He trembled and he answered, go away, go your way for this time. And when I have a more convenient season, I'll call for you again. You know what? He wanted to get rid of the conviction. He wanted to, uh, I'm going to go think about something. I'm going to go to a banquet or something. I'm going to go, you know, I'm a governor. I'm going to go to a big feast. I'm going to go call some musicians to play for me. I want to get that out of my mind and my thoughts. But when, when the Word of God was being preached to him and the Holy Ghost was dealing with the man through Paul's testimony and the Word of Truth, Felix was trembling. That was a good thing. Y'all understand that. It was a good thing because the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Not the badness of God, not the meanness of God, the goodness of God through the Word of God and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit leads a man to repentance. A lost man to repentance, to be saved. A saved man to repentance of any ongoing sin or sin that we've committed in our lives. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. And not only is it a good thing, like a little lanyap on top of other things, it's an absolute essential for our lives. It's necessary that we come under the conviction of the Lord when we sin. That's a good thing that God uh, wants to do in our lives. I'll give you the definition of the word convict. Okay? Convict. In, in a verb sense. It means to tell a fault. Well, nobody likes to be told a fault. Randy, you've got this real problem in your life. I would not like to hear it. But you know what? I need to be mature enough in Christ to hear it. Right? Nobody likes nobody likes to hear that. I don't care who you are. Tell me a bunch of faults about my life. You know, who wants to hear that? Uh, to tell a fault, to convince, to reprove, to rebuke, to expose. Why would the Lord want to expose a fault or a sin in my life? Because he wants to get it out. It's the only reason. He doesn't want to highlight it and and add other faults to it. He wants to highlight it and expose it so He can remove it from our lives. It's a good thing that the Lord's doing. Y'all turn uh, to John chapter 16. This will be one of our main passages on this subject this morning. John 16, Jesus is telling them, has already told them He's going to go away. Um, and He tells them here, and they're sad, when he told them he was going to go away, they were sad, his disciples. Let's read verses 7 and 8, John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient. That simply means necessary or profitable. Necessary and profitable. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, that's the Holy Ghost, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. When he is come, What's He going to do? He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. We're just going to stop there for our purposes this morning. But that word reprove, if you look in the Greek, not that you do that every day, but if you were to look in the Greek, that word reprove is the exact same word as convict. The same Greek word. Okay? Elenko, I think is how it's pronounced. So it means to tell a fault, to admonish, to convince, to reprove, to rebuke, to expose. The Lord Himself convicts men of their own sin. He doesn't convict me of Sherry's sin. He convicts Sherry of Sherry's sin. He convicts me of my sin. I might see some sin in her life. She might see some in mine. But the Holy Ghost convicts me of my sin. He tells me my fault, okay? He wants, number one, He wants me to be aware of it. He wants me to know it's there. Very clearly, and say, this is in your life. No, no, don't go run, turn the TV on. I'm dealing with you about something in your life. This is in your life. I want you to see it. I want you to face up to it. Because I have the answer for it. It's the blood of Jesus. It's forgiveness. It's repentance. It's turning. And so, uh, He does not want that sin to continue in, in our lives kind of like in darkness and hidden and covered up. So He might pull back some stuff 
and that hurts, right? Doctor, I went, I let a big old splinter, you know, this long go in my hand here for two weeks, and it's got sore to the touch, and now I've got to go get it out. It's going to be, it's going to hurt at first when somebody starts digging in there. After it, they got to pull away some skin to get it out of the way. And so it's not fun, but the point is not to continue. It's not going to get better left on its own. It will not. It's not even going to stay the same left on its own. It's going to get worse. And so God says, let's be mature. Let's deal with it. I'll be kind. I'll be gracious. I'll be merciful. I'm not going to make it more painful than it needs to be, but I need to get this out of your life. And you need to see that pride in your life or whatever it is and need to confess it. You need to humble yourself before the Lord and let me get that out of your life. Deal with it, okay? Let me deal with it. But He wants to bring us out of that because He wants to turn us to Jesus. Even as a believer, for that thing, He wants to turn us to the Lord. And so, I believe that's very kind of the Lord. I believe that's very merciful of the Lord. He doesn't turn a blind eye and say, well, I just, I just love them so much, I'm going to let them go on with that in their lives. It's not really that bad. The Lord never does that. Jesus died for that little sin, or if we think it's little, in a believer's life. And He, he loves us enough to not let us just continue on that way. He knows the seriousness of it. We need to know the seriousness of it. Our sin separates us from God. Even as a Christian, it doesn't separate me like make me uh, not be able to go to heaven if I'm born again. I'm born again. We talked about that. But it can separate and hinder my fellowship with God a lot. My usefulness to the Lord. My service to God. My hearing God when I pray. My being used to the Lord in other people's lives or ministry. It can hinder a lot of things. It can rob my peace. It can rob my joy. It can rob a lot of things from my life even as a Christian. Okay? And so He knows the great damage it can do. I think much better than we know, we need to see that that sin is affecting our lives and the Word of God says it is. And so, two things, just real quickly. The Lord will use His Word and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit. He uses them together to convict a lost man. We'll talk about a lost man first, first of all. To show that lost man, you're lost. You need a Savior. You're not okay. Good old boys don't go to heaven. You need to be born again. You must be born again. You can tell a person that all day long, but until the Holy Ghost convicts them in their heart, you're lost. You're lost. You're in your sin. You're going to die in your sin apart from Jesus. You're going to spend eternity separated from Me in torment. And you don't have to because I love you. And the Holy Spirit brings that realization. So He wants to take a lost man, show them their lost state, Show them the mercy and grace and kindness of Jesus and what He did on the cross and the forgiveness and salvation that they have in Him and turn them by that conviction, turn them by His goodness and bring them to repentance to bring them to Jesus to be saved. We understand that. Very simple. He wants to take and convict a saved man of his or her sin so they won't continue in their sin. It's very simple. So quickly come to Him and confess and be forgiven. There was a, uh, a man that was saved and he was at a Billy Graham crusade. And I know Billy Graham just passed away this last week. Um, but he, I was reading in a, in a book about him. It says he was, he was at the sermon, uh, at the, the crusade, and as he was hearing Billy Graham preach, he was a saved man. But he came with a great conviction and he left that day and he went home and he dug out his tax return and he wrote out another check and with a letter to the IRS for like 1500 something to the penny. He wrote it out. And he says that whether, whether out of ignorance or bad advice of a CPA, either way, uh, I didn't pay enough taxes. Billy Graham was not preaching on that. <laughs> That's not what his topic was. Okay? So what does that tell you? That tells you we might laugh at it but he came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He went home and dealt with it. God can more than make up the $1,500 or however much it was. But that just shows you, to me, that's kindness of the Lord. Don't dismiss that. That's not condemnation that the Lord was heaping condemnation upon this saved man. He's his child. 
He was bringing great conviction into his heart because he was about to grow this man and bring him on another growth step. Aren't you thankful for growth steps in your life? They're not fun. You know, sometimes a growth step, what I call a growth step, we've got to go through a valley and we've got to go through a prolonged period where things are just kind of blah, or I don't like the way this is, or I'm praying every day and it seems like I'm just praying to the ceiling and I don't like it. And God will sometimes let us go straight through that thing and He's going to, all of a sudden we're going to pop out the other side. He's going to bring us out and we're going to be better for it. We're going to be better for it. And so this man, God wasn't uh, trying to hurt him, He was trying to help him. Now, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 22. We know the story where, where uh, Peter denied the Lord, right? Three times. He told him he was going to do it. Peter said, I'll never do it. I'll die for you. But he ended up, he did end up dying for the Lord. It's in all four of the Gospels. You read about Peter's denial. It's a prominent part of Scripture. But I want us to read just a little bit here. And I want to talk about what I believe the Lord was doing here. Alright, so in Luke 22... Jesus has been condemned to die by the high priest. And in verse 54, Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of, of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. So he's, he knows what's going on. He's watching. He's seeing. He's on the outskirts of it all. And a certain maid beheld him and he said, as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, this man was also with him. And he denied him. All right, that's the first time. Saying, woman, I know him not. After a little while, another saw him and said, thou art also of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, of a truth, this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Now, I, I can't really imagine what that was like. Jesus is being condemned. Jesus knows all that's getting ready to follow him over the next 24 hours or less. What's getting ready to go on and bear the sins of the world. And all that he's going to go through. And here's one of his most devoted followers, and he was. Peter was one of the most devoted followers. And he denied him three times. It was a fulfillment of just what Jesus said. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. And how he had said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter went out and wept bitterly. I guess he did. Uh, so he goes out and wept bitterly means violently. He, this is not some little one little tear. Peter, are you crying? I mean, it was he was shaking. It was a real violent cry. But it was when the Lord looked at him, when he remembered the word of the Lord that the Lord had spoken to him. I think there is some significance there. It was God's word that He had spoken to him, not written, but He spoke it to him. And when the Lord looked at him, He remembered. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, he... I've heard of a, of a preacher that gave this story one time to a bunch of, of youth and said, oh, this was just condemnation. I don't at all believe it was condemnation. I don't believe the Lord was condemning him. He looked at him. He remembered the word that he had spoken to him. He had told him, you're going to deny me. Peter was a follower of the Lord. Remember, there's no condemnation to them. I know he wasn't, quote, born again, but he was a true believer in Christ. Because he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when all the other 70 disciples left, were, were you going to leave also? And Peter said, Lord, to whom will we go? We are sure, we're convinced that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We know he was a believer. What was going on? He sinned. He was scared. You ever been scared before? He was weak. You ever been weak before in your Christianity? I have. He was scared. He was weak. The Lord says you're going to do this. The Lord doesn't always foretell our sins, but He did foretell this one. And when Peter denied the Lord, and then when the Lord looked at him, and the Lord, He remembered the words that Jesus had spoken to him, He went out and wept bitterly. 
I believe it was a great conviction of the Lord. Conviction can be severe, but it's still not the same as condemnation. This still was not an adverse sentence upon Peter's life. Um, and so he was a follower of the Lord, and this was a dark moment in his life, probably one of the darkest of his lives. It was a time where you could say his faith was almost hanging in the balance. It was almost hanging in the balance right there, or was hanging in the balance, but the Lord didn't let him go. He didn't fall over the cliff. He didn't fall over the edge. He didn't apostatize. He was right on that, teetering on that, but the Lord says, Peter, Satan's desired to have you that it may sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, then you go strengthen your brethren. Converted there doesn't mean saved. It means to turn back again. To come back and return to that place of strength where you were. And so, this was a test. It was not a condemnation. Peter sinned and wept bitterly because I think he was greatly convicted. But to tell a bunch of people, for a minister to tell a bunch of people, this was condemnation. Well, do you see how that would throw everything off? That would change everything. It really would. That's no longer God in His kindness rebu rebuking me for a sin or reproving me for a sin or to tell a fault so that I'll be turned to repentance and be forgiven and restored and strengthened. That, if it's actually condemnation and not conviction, that's just the Lord pronouncing this adverse sentence upon my life. My judge has slammed the gavel down and said, guilty. You were innocent for a while, but now since you did that, bam, guilty to judge against. I don't believe that that's biblical. I don't believe that that is what is being taught there. And I've never heard another Bible teacher or book that I've read, and it's never entered my mind that that was condemnation. He sinned. I've sinned a lot of times too. I've wept over my sin that I've committed as a believer. Probably not near as much as I should. But he, he was returned to the Lord later, and that Jesus says to him, Peter, feed my sheep. You're going to go on and you're going to be used to feed my sheep the Word of God and minister to them and build them up and encourage them. You, Peter, who denied me three times. Peter, Peter ended up denying, uh, dying for this Lord. He denied three times. He was strengthened. He was built up. It wasn't a condemnation. It was a conviction. It's important that we know it. We, ought to, we need to know that, I guess is all I'm saying. And for a preacher to stand up and say that is, is um, very misleading and I think it's very damaging to the Word of God and the character of Christ and, and just to the truth. I don't believe that was truth at all. And so the Holy Ghost convicts and He convinces. The Lord used, and we'll just cover these real quickly, but the Lord used a prophet named Nathan. We all know it's a famous part of the Bible to, to come and speak to King David, right? David had committed adultery and he had committed murder. And for most Bible scholars say it was about a year period that he was not, not like ongoing and still committing sins and murders, but it was a year period between the time he committed that and the time that he was confronted by Nathan the prophet. And during that time, you'll read Psalms like Psalm 51 and some of these other Psalms where he's saying, uh, you know, my tears have been my meat day and night. And... Uh, my friends stay afar off from me and I've got this disease. And he was miserable is the point. And I, I'm doing a bad job of paraphrasing it. But it was a time of David's life where he was still a follower of God. But in that time period, the sin wasn't dealt with sufficiently. It wasn't really taken out and cleansed and washed away and dealt with. And so he, he was miserable. Any believer, you try to cover up sin in your own life, even if nobody knows but you and God, if you're just trying to cover it up, you're going to be miserable. Why stay that way when you don't have to? You can be forgiven so quickly and cleansed. Take your medicine, so to speak. I don't like the way it tastes. Well, take it anyway because it's going to help you. All right? When Nathan comes and he gives the story about the man with the sheep, we know the story. And then David said, The man that did this shall surely die. And we know the famous statement, Nathan says, Thou art the man. Wow. Well, did, I, I often think about this. Did Nathan do this? Or did God send Nathan to David because God hated David? No. Did Nathan hate David? No. So when you go or somebody comes to your life 
and says, this is ongoing in your life. You're guilty of this. Don't kill the messenger. What if God sent them to you? He may not have. It might be just something of the devil, but at least find out. Okay? At least find out. And so Nathan says, thou art the man. And David doesn't try to hide it or get out of it or anything like that. David humbled himself before the Lord. And in front of David. David's the king. He could have had this man killed if he wanted to. But he didn't. He was wise. And he humbled himself a lot different than King Saul acted when he was confronted with his son uh, sin by Samuel. But he says, I've sinned against the Lord. And as soon as he did this, I'll I'll just read it. It's it's from 2 Samuel 12, but I'm going to read it real quickly. David said unto Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Look how quickly that happened. He's a year floundering around in this immeasurable. He physically was sick from it. Uh, His spiritual life, his intimacy with God was probably horrible during that time. His child that he had in that relationship died. All that was going on during this year. And he's miserable. And look how quickly when the Lord sent the man and said, you've sinned, it's you. And the man says, you're right, I've sinned against God Almighty. You're forgiven, your sin's put away. How long did that take? But yet we'll, we want to cover it up. We want to hide it. Oh, you're condemning me. I don't like this feeling of conviction or whatever. I'll go to church where I don't feel convicted. Guess what? Then your sin's still with you everywhere you go. It doesn't have to be. It can be lifted up that quick, washed away, and dealt with. And we see it in other places in the Bible, but that was uh, such a, a good description. And it's always out of love. The Lord is doing it out of His great love, His goodness bringing us to repentance. His kindness, His mercy. And so, I'll just close with this thought. How can I, as a, as a Christian, as a believer, so I'm speaking to Christians, how can I determine if what I'm experiencing at any given moment is condemnation, maybe from the devil, okay, or my own humanity trying to condemn me and, and lie to me, or is it conviction? How can I tell the difference? Well, First of all, we need to go to, again to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that if our heart condemn us, even our own heart, as a believer, brethren, Christians, if your heart condemns you, God is greater than our hearts and He knoweth all things. So first of all, I'm glad He knows all things because I don't. I know one who knows all things, but I don't know all things. So what I'm experiencing at this time I need to know what it is. I need to go to one who knows. So I'm going to go to the Lord. And He's a good shepherd. He's going to speak to His sheep. And He's going to tell us from the Word of God and in our own hearts, the Holy Ghost bearing witness with my spirit the truth of the matter. But I would say this is just a general characteristic. How can I tell that I just am experiencing condemnation? I'm going to say I'm a saved man or conviction. One of the distinct differences between the two is the con- conviction of the Lord always, always, always will have hope with it. There will be a light at the end of the tunnel. There will be confess if we confess our sin. Oh, that's horrible. We'll, we're, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, it's like right with the conviction. There's always hope. Always. If all you feel is hammered and there's no way out in, in your mind, okay? I'm guilty of this. Guilty, guilty, guilty. I'm just going to die and go to hell and there's no way out of this thing. That's not the Lord. Look unto me and be saved. How many times is that in the Bible? How often Jesus said, I would have gathered you to myself and you would not. You know, it's always... There's always the hope. So the conviction of the Lord, even if it's severe, like with Peter's denying the Lord, he wept bitterly. He also said, when you're converted, come strengthen your brethren. Okay? When, with the conviction of the Lord, there is always hope. Directly from God. The same God that's convicting us is also saying, I'm convicting you, here's the hope. David said, I've sinned. You're forgiven. You're not going to die from this, David. That fast. And so there's always from the Lord. Condemnation does not have hope to it. 
Now, a lost man that's under condemnation has the hope of salvation. They can be saved and they won't be condemned any longer. But you understand the point. Condemnation by itself is not the solution. Condemnation can't lift us out. It's an adverse sentence against our life. Christ can lift us out. The blood of Jesus can. We put our faith in Him. And so that's important to know. That's important to know. I'm feeling bad. I've committed some sin as a believer. What am I feeling right now? There's always going to be hope with the Lord. Forgiveness, cleansing, restoration, restored intimacy with the Lord, and then even to bring us beyond where we were before. The Holy Ghost will say to me, Randy, you've sinned. And then will lay it out very clearly. Usually I already know it, okay? Here's how you've sinned. Here's how great your sin is. Holy Ghost is telling me all these things. He's showing me a fault. This is how great your sin is, but He'll also say to me, Randy, come to the Lord right now. Be forgiven right now. Right now. You don't have to wait till Sunday service. You don't have to wait till tonight when you get home. Right now, you'll find abundant grace, forgiveness. Jesus will wash away your sins in His own blood. He'll remove the guilty stain, the guilty feeling. feeling uh, and we'll go on with the Lord. That's the conviction of the Lord and the, the kindness and mercy of the Lord right on top of that. Okay? So don't despise. The Bible says don't despise His chastening. His chastening could be conviction conviction of the Holy Ghost. He's showing us a fault. And He might have to peel away some skin or something to get to what He needs to get to. I remember one of the biggest things, I'm just going to close, one of the biggest things in my life, and I've shared it before, even that that was holding me back from serving God was a group of close friends I had. Played football with them, hunt, fish, and chew tobacco, and all our stuff together that we did. And... Uh, all through middle school, through high school, through college, same fraternity and all that kind of stuff that we were in. And uh, the Lord had to peel that back from me. That was something He had to do in my life. Maybe something different totally in your life. But it hurt a little bit. He had to, he had to peel and it took a while because I, because I, I kept pushing Him off. and didn't want Him to do that. But He had to peel some of those things back. But it was so quick when it, when it really did happen. And he got to the root of it. You need to turn loose of these friends and go on with me. You need to decide which is it going to be. And I fought him for like five years. Okay? David fought the Lord one year. I fought him five years on, on something big in my life. And he finally got to the root of it. And I gave it to the Lord. And he took it out of my heart. And I went on with Jesus. And that part was really fast. And it started growing in the Lord really fast. Really fast. He sent me Christian friends. You know what I mean? And he did a lot of different things in my life. But he desires to do that for all of us. It may not be something as dramatic as that. It might be something smaller. But it may be as dramatic as that. And he'll do it if we'll let him. There's no sense fighting him on it. He's going to win. Okay? He's going to win. And guess what? I'm glad he's going to win. Let him win. Let him win sooner instead of later. He knows what He's doing and He's good. And I'm glad I didn't continue in that path of fighting God and hanging on to something besides God and, and going on with the Lord. So, I'm just going to close with that. If you come up and, and uh, I just want us to take a few minutes to thank the Lord if there's some sin that God, even in the process of this message this morning, has put His finger on in your life. Don't leave here with it. You don't have to. Just come to the Lord right now. Be forgiven. The, the psalmist said, If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. If you just marked them and tallied them up and didn't have a solution to it, who could stand before God? Nobody. But there's mercy with you. That we may rightly fear you with the healthy fear. That's from Psalm 130. And so, we're just going to give this time to the Lord. And I know we're cramped, but try to find a place where you can, before we run out and go eat lunch, that we can deal with this um, with the Lord. Or maybe you've been confused between condemnation and conviction. Maybe you've despised the chastening of the Lord. We're told not to do that, but honestly, maybe you have. You hated it. You don't like it when God, through a sermon, through a fellow believer, 
through the Word, even just reading the Bible by yourself, you don't like that conviction of the Lord. And you don't want to face up to that sin. It's not pleasant. And we need to ask God to forgive us because it's out of His kindness that He's doing that. It's out of His mercy and goodness that He is showing us our fault. When the Holy Ghost has come, He's going to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's what He does. He's doing that for us. He's doing it for our help because He wants us to be forgiven. Like Peter, when you're converted, Peter, you're not going to stay in an attitude of denial. I'm going to forgive your sin. When you're converted, you go and you be used to strengthening other believers. So Father, we come before You in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, I want to thank You that there is a great difference between condemnation and conviction. I want to thank You, Lord. You said He that believes on Him that sent You is passed from death to life and shall not come into condemnation. I want to thank You, Lord, that You convict Your own children. It's one of the signs or proofs that we really are born again. It's one of the evidences, God, that we belong to You, God, and that we're in Christ is that when we sin, we're convicted about it. We don't just feel bad about it. We don't just feel a little sorry about it. We're convicted by the Holy Ghost who lives inside of us saying, this is a sin. Turn from it. Confess it. Come out of it. Don't continue in it. Be washed in the blood of Jesus. Come and be forgiven. I thank You for that kindness and goodness. You'll dig and get the splinter out, but you only dig as much as you need to, God. And I pray, God, that as we give ourselves to You and that we would just lay our hearts bare before You. You already see it anyway, God. And Lord, we would be quick to repent. We'd be quick to confess. We'd be quick to come out of our sin and to be thankful, God, for the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness. I know I quoted it earlier, Lord, but Your Word says, for as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. <coughs> Would you just call upon the Lord? God, forgive us for the times we've despised Your chastening. Forgive us for the times when You sent a Nathan into our lives, God. And we hated him because of it. You sent a Nathan to us and we, we, we don't see him anymore or talk to him anymore. They became our enemy. And maybe, God, You sent them there for our benefit. Help us to be mature and strong. Grown-up Christians, God, not babes. Help us to understand that. Help us to be a people that's not governed by our feelings and emotions, but by faith and by the truth, and by the Word of God, and by thus saith the Lord, and by the Holy Spirit of truth that lives in us. Let us be governed by You, God, not by our emotions. They'll come and go. I thank You for Your kindness and goodness. And I pray whoever came in here this morning, God, including myself, anybody came in, Lord, in the process of time, or maybe we knew it when we came here, you revealed some sin in our lives, God, that we sure wouldn't leave without confessing it to you this morning and being forgiven, God. Thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that you're a good Father and Heavenly Father that loves us.